ทัสสะภะคะวะโทอะระหะโทสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสนะโมทัสสะภะคะวะโทอะระหะโทสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสนะโมทัสสะภะคะวะโทอะระหะโทสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะอาปารุชาเดสังมัตสัตวราเยสุรวันทาบมุญจันทุสัทังchange 
not just uh, grasp the ideas and the theories of Buddhism, but to to really uh, know the change, because the the um, this is the state we're in as conscious beings, conscious entities in the universe, and and with our human karma, we have the ability to know in a direct way. It's like this: Begi- what begins ends, and this isn't this isn't. Uh, abstract, this is knowing directly. Also, to recognize the, the, uh, the ending of things so that you're, you're really uh, noting, making conscious how things end and finish and cease as experience in the present. So, in, in terms of thought, which of course you, you, you can see is something that, that uh, is very fast, but feeling or emotion kind of lingers. But if you really uh, open and observe emotional feeling in the present, you begin to recognize its presence and then its cessation. So really in that re- reflection on cessation, insight into the niroda of conditions, then you, you, this, this, uh, you, you have this powerful uh, awareness uh, that of the vanities of the world, the, the ignorance, the delusions that our societies operate under, uh, and, and one uh, experiences this nipita or weariness in Viraga, this uh, desirelessness, you no longer feel longing or desire for worldly things because they're, they're, it's like, you know, they're not worth it, not, not something uh, worth uh, spending your life uh, following desire. But these, are, these aren't positions one takes. It's not like, you shouldn't have desires, or, or to, to uh, put down the worldly conditions. They say it's all just vanity and, and as a kind of a dismissal. Uh, so Buddhist meditation is not dismissing or denying or, or uh, out of some ideas that we call Buddhists. It's actually a very direct knowing insight. Uh, really, uh, gut level knowledge. And when you, when you have that insight, then, then the, the result isn't, uh, is, is a sense of, of liberation rather than it's not depressing, it's not like uh, something uh, uh, that's despairing or disillusioning. If, it, if you're just attached to the ideas of cessation, attached to the ideas that, that the world is, is a delusion, or attached to the ideas that uh, all life is just vanity, uh, then you become depressed by that. Because you're just touching to uh, 
the ideas, uh, and you're not aware of the attachment. And so if you're just holding on to negative perceptions, ideas, uh, and habits, then you get depressed. That's what depression is. Like in the back in the 50s, the existential movement, was everybody got depressed by it because <laughs> it was uh, it was depressing. You think of the hopelessness of life, the meaninglessness of life, uh, the ignorance of humanity, the the vanity, the stupidity of societies, and on and on like that. Just through a continuous kind of attachment to those ideas takes you to a sense of total despair and. Uh, and then depression. But the, the nipita is not depressing, it's liberating. There's not, it's not passing a value judgment against the world, but it's knowing the world for what it is and no longer uh, expecting it to be something that it can't be or no longer making endless demands or blaming or resenting or, or, or developing those kind of emotions around the, the disappointments uh, and the uh, uh, disillusionments that we experience in this form. The human existence is what it's about loss, isn't it? You, you gain, you lose. It's about old age getting old and uh, I mean this is this is the the other side of life so tomorrow we have the the funeral for uh, Morris Walsh who many of us most of you knew who was a was here uh, at Amravati quite often and a supporter and was one on the English Sangha Trust the original group that invited me to the UK 22 years ago. He was one of the trustees in those days on the EST. He and George Sharp, Jeffrey Beardsley, Frieda Wint. And uh, now there's uh, Jeffrey Beardsley died quite about 10 years ago and and uh, now Morris, Frida, she's getting old, <laughs> and uh, George is uh, getting old. I'm getting old, and uh, this uh, this and we recognize when you when you're in your sixties, you 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 feel much closer to death than you do even in your fifties. Not to mention younger than that. At least from, speaking for myself, you feel much more close and much more interested in it. Because you're, you're looking, the, the, this, this, this experience that I'm going through now, of old age, is, is uh, something that uh, to me I'm prepared for. It's something that, that uh, I'm ready to experience. Something that is, is uh, that I'm 
totally open to the aging, old age, sickness, death. And this is because of the of the uh, developing of meditation over the years, of uh, having that uh, opportunity to to prepare myself to examine, to look into, to really experiment, and to to um, understand the forces and influences and and experiences that one has as a human being on this planet. One thing that needs to be developed is a confidence in yourself, not in, not in your emotional habits or your opinions or views, but a confidence uh, that, that, that this, in this awareness that, that each one of us has this potential for enlightenment, for being completely aware and really being able to understand uh, the Dhamma, the ultimate truth. And not just in, because on the level of personality we, we don't, we're not confident. I think, I think Europeans and Western people are incredibly unconfident in themselves. Even though they, they, they're very gifted and talented in many ways, very clever and very well educated, they, they, there's something, they've not developed a confidence as a human being in their own humanity, in their own gift of consciousness and wisdom that isn't uh, something you get through education. or doesn't belong to any particular culture or, or religion or class or race or gender at all. It's our, it's our heritage as being born in, as humans, human beings. So that kind of confidence isn't a, an ego, uh, you know, a kind of Overcompensation. You know, I can do anything. I'm, I'm a kind of, I'll, I'll get there, and, and a kind of willful, uh, in sense of inflating your ego, so that you, uh, just to convince yourself. But this is uh, it's much more profound. That's just very superficial, and and that's not the kind of confidence I'm talking about. I contemplate in my own experience uh, the, the, the how easily doubt takes over the mind. This is the kind of anxiety, worry, and doubt can easily just uh, uh, take me over. Used to be very strong. Used to uh, would just uh, easily just uh, get caught in uncertainty, unsurety, and worry and anxiety. And uh, no matter how much praise or adulation or, or that one would get, you still you realize, realize that it wasn't a matter of, of just proving to the world that I'm, that I'm all right. 
or that I can do it, but it's not a matter of, of anything external. It's the, the willingness to be confident and, and that determination to trust yourself in your practice. Because just contemplating the, the experience of being a human being and as I've said this many times, uh, this is your life, and you've got to live it, and and no one else can tell you. You've got to find out. Because all of us are just things that come and go in your consciousness. This is the terms of, this is a, speaking in terms of the way it is. You know, you you're in my consciousness right now. You are objects uh, of sight, and 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 you uh, come and go in my mind. If I go back to my caravan, then I can still uh, think of you. I can still remember you. So you, but even that, the memory comes and goes in the mind. But that pure state of awareness that doesn't come and go. That's what we're cultivating in meditation. The ability to, like in samadhi, or this, this kind of being able to, uh, to collect the mind and to, to sustain an awareness, a steadiness in just pure attention. Not in this is not thinking or rationalizing, or it's not absorbing into into objects of concentration. It's it's the ability to to sustain and rest. It's a restful state, and to to be completely present, uh, and uh, and then the uh, then the Dhamma teaches us. Because we learn the, the guidelines of the Buddha taught all conditions are impermanent. And so all conditioned phenomena is unsatisfactory, it's dukkha. Now, when I do that, contemplating like that, then I see like the dukkha of conditions. And you can see how the, the uh, you can observe, witness. Directly know conditioned phenomena, attachment to conditioned phenomena is like this. So if I find myself in a particular mood or emotional state and feeling uh, angry or annoyed or upset by something or somebody, you know, this attachment to conditions feels like this. Is that that part that that which is aware, isn't it? It's not making. It's not judging. It's not saying what I should or shouldn't do, or that I shouldn't be attached. But it's just noticing, observing. Attachment to conditions are like this. Feels like this. And in that reflection, and in that. Uh, uh, affirming 
the experience of attachment, then non-attachment is like this. Here you be, you're, you're in the, you're in that position of knowing attachment is this way, non-attachment is this way. And this is where you have to trust yourself to be able to, to do that because when you start thinking about it, read too many of the suttas and books on Buddhism, you'll all get, you'll start doubting it all again. Because they make it all sound very complicated. <clears throat> So I asked Lung Po Cha once about studying Abhidharma and he said, oh, it just makes you doubt more. <laughs> because the, 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 remember that the, I mean, this is not to dismiss the value of scriptures and, and, and literature and, and Buddhism, but also recognize that if you spend your time just trying to learn on that level, it does, it, it, you know, it just, it makes you more, increasingly more confused. Now the, uh, and, and, but if you, if you don't have confidence in your own ability to be aware and awake, then then you're always going to try to get the samadhi that they talk about in Visuddhi Magga or, or get the jhanas that they describe and, and try to uh, do all these things that, that, you, uh, that you read in, in, in books and what other teachers tell you. And then because of that, you're, then you're always going to say, is this really first jhana or... <laughs> Whatever about stream entry or whatever, the the the, the mind will only uh, create more doubt around these these terms. So therefore, uh, this say establishing yourself in a foundation of sila is important. To limit uh, say action and speech, to uh, refraining from do, at least refraining from doing intentionally harmful acts through action or speech. That's a, a, a necessity as a foundation for mindfulness. Because you can be mindful while robbing a bank. Yeah. It, mindfulness doesn't necessarily mean you're mindful, uh, is, isn't always uh, doing good. You can be mindful while you're doing bad things. But uh, in terms of a spiritual path, you uh, you're developing a a uh, the, this sense of goodness, of restraint, of limitation. Because if we don't uh, consciously adopt limitation and mindfully and wisely uh, use limitation on action and speech, then we 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 lose ourselves all the time in the in the problems and feelings and and uh, attitudes and and intimidations fashions and fads and that of the of the societies that are continuously changing so you know the things are, are so kind of always uh, topsy-turvy and you never 
never know quite know what what's right or wrong. So I found just like the basic five precepts, enormous uh, kind of help in establishing a sense of of responsibility for conduct, how I'm going to live on this planet, live in this society, in a way that I'm responsible, uh, taking on the responsibility for my actions and speech. At least the, the, the five precepts are not to harm, not to steal, not to do bad things. Things that, that, that cause uh, pain and suspicion and fear in, to other people or to oneself. And in, say, a monastic life, the limitation even greater with the Vinaya and so forth. But that is very helpful because it it does limit the the possibilities of, for action and speech quite a lot. And so you so your 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 limitation is set in in a in a very clear way. And it's all based on, you know, being uh, considerate, being uh, mindful and careful, and, and that with with the material world, with the society, with the uh, people you live with, and uh, the the creatures that you share the planet with, and the environment, and all the rest. So then, then that that limitation we 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 use as a standard, as as a criterion. For action and speech, and then the awareness of the uh, emotional habits, the feelings that arise in this life. So it's not it's not a it's not a it's not a restriction that it oppresses, but it's a restriction that liberates. Like restraint can seem uh, very oppressive to to us if we if we look at it in a personal way, because it's stopping us from doing maybe what we what we want to do or feel like doing. We we can't do all the things we could do if we didn't if we weren't monks or nuns. And so there's a sense of being frustrated and being uh, kind of held down and being uh, bound and being oppressed. But that very feeling uh, can be be seen, isn't it? That sense of of, uh, of 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 wanting to get get outside the bound, wanting to break loose, wanting to be free from the restriction the way we can resent or rebel against the vinar, against the monastic life. But these are the emotions we want to really uh, pay attention to. Because as you begin to see them and recognize them and know them and feel them, you, 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 you get weary of them. You develop this nipita, a weariness of just being rebellious and opinionated and impulsive and complaining and blaming. So then when you that 
nipita, the one, the determination to let go of these things, to to rest, be content with with the, with the monastic life, be enjoy the monastic life, the res, the simplicity of it, the restraint of it, is then an experience of contentment and joy, rather than of oppression and resistance and complaining. But this you have to do for yourself. No one can make you do it. Uh, you know, it's something that, like, you have to make life work for you, each one of us, in whatever uh, uh, way we're living our lives. We can spend our life blaming uh, the society or parents or or lack of opportunities or that for our, uh, for our problems, but then we're just the we make ourselves into victims, and we're the we're the victims of life. So in, in but the the uh, the magic of our humanity is the ability of really taking on life, embracing experience, learning and knowing. This is what the Buddha was pointing to. It wasn't a a kind of passive rejection and a, and a condemnation of the world, but a real uh, kind of openness, awakened awareness, embracing uh, and feeling and directly experiencing the conditioned world and realizing the unconditioned. Now, as you examine, uh, again, to understand how your mind works, you can see that just like people would ask me about karma, and uh, they say, you know, the the uh, if you do good, you receive good; if you do bad, you receive bad. And then they say, well, I know some bad people that have received good for doing bad. Well, they say, you know, so and so is, you know, he's a real crook, and he, he, you know, he, he's a mafioso and a real crook, and he, and, but he's loaded with money, got a Rolls Royce, houses all over the world, and and beautiful uh, mistress, and goes to all the wonderful places. Uh, and he had, he, you know, he's made all his money by cheating, lying, stealing, murder, and all the rest. So this is, the law of karma is not true. But then, you know, that's looking at it in terms of that that we're going to be rewarded of, uh, materially for being good. And that's a materialistic view, isn't it? If I'm going, to, if I'm good, I want to be rewarded. You know, I want, I want to be, you know. Have have a lot of money and a Rolls Royce already, <laughs> and if if you know if you can get those things by being bad, then maybe I'll, maybe I should be bad. But when you really look at your mind, uh, 
you know, just observing how negative mental states is our hell in the present moment. Just, just being attached to negativity. And, and if I made, uh, even if I might be a, a, a billionaire, uh, with all those wonderful things, material possessions, the mind would not be. Would it be a lot of fear, a lot of, of, uh, of uh, especially a lot of fear and anxiety would haunt you. Because you, you just, you've done too many bad things. You, you, you've done, there's too many, you've created too much bad karma, too many enemies. And you, you just have to dwell in a world of negativity. When the best you can do is maybe go to Las Vegas and gamble and get drunk and take drugs and run around the world to your mansions. But you've got to keep on the go to avoid those moments where there's nothing to do but just the most horrible fears and come up into consciousness, then you've got to run off and do something to get away from it. We're noticing in, in say, through meditation, like one develops, uh, the, and through, say, uh, uh, de- having a sila, a commitment to uh, act good actions and speech, then, then just thinking good thoughts brings a lot of joy. So I you know, just make myself happy right now just by thinking happy thoughts. Simple as that. Or I rec- recollect good things I've done in life. It makes me happy. 